All right. Well, happy Easter, Redeemer City Church, and uh, so glad that you're here. And uh, in comparison to last year, aren't you glad that church is open today? Man, yes, the church is open. It's not closed. Jesus is not dead. He's alive. And I don't have any tricks or gimmicks for you today. Just an announcement. Just an announcement that you, think about that, that you can be encouraged today because Jesus is Lord. He's ruling and reigning. He's not confused. He's not anxious. I think back to one of the first sermons ever preached by a guy named Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends, earliest followers. And he preached one of the first sermons after Jesus rose to life and ascended back to heaven. And he said these words, and I want you to listen to them. In Acts chapter 2, he said, men of Israel, hear these words. Think about that. that. That's what we actually have. We have words, powerful words. He says, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to, listen to this, the definite plan of God and the foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men that first Good Friday. What we celebrated just a few short days ago as we looked back and we remembered the goodness of God on the cross on our behalf. But listen to this. It didn't stop there. Sunday's coming. Listen to what it says. But God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Listen, you're in church today, and it's Easter Sunday, and so we're focused on talking about, thinking about one name, the name that is above every other name, Jesus Christ, defeated death, but make no mistake about it, he's offering to you the opportunity to believe in what he did and what he said, the word Of good news, this word, Jesus, has really nothing to do with what you or I can do or what we bring to the table, but instead has everything to do with what God has already done on that first Good Friday and that first Easter through his son, Jesus. And so as Peter asked those people, Standing in front of him 2,000 years ago, I would just encourage you and ask you the same question. Will you hear these words? This plan and purpose of God, this definite plan and purpose of God through Jesus is good news. That's what our word that church people talk about, the gospel It simply means good news. What is this good news? Think through with me. Over the last 12 months, (laughs) we've had a front row seat to the fact that this world doesn't have answers to our most significant problems. If, if, If we were looking to politics to solve our problem, it didn't work. 
we were looking to more money, more power, more fame, it doesn't work. The Apostle Paul, another one of those early Christians in the Bible in Romans, tells us it's because we as humans, we've traded the truth about God for a lie. But think with me, even right now, our country on television is watching the trial of George Floyd. And we must recognize that there's a profound brokenness that we struggle to solve. Even right now, we anxiously await whatever this new normal is going to be. Because an invisible enemy, a virus took over our entire world. There's a profound brokenness. Think about it. Even in the things that we have planned out, it takes very little to disrupt our plans, doesn't it? But no, no, no. There's a different way. It says the definite plan of God. Without God, humanity, us, we have no standard by which to measure our lives, no substance by which we can measure our lives. Because think through it, throughout the corridors of time, more money, more fame, more discovery, more power have not brought the love, joy, and peace we long for. In fact, it's destroying us, isn't it? Peter, in that same sermon 2,000 years ago, tells us of an entirely different way of life. Listen to this in Acts chapter 2, verse 28. 28, says, You made known to me, speaking of Jesus, the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with, and this is a very important part of the puzzle, with your presence. With your presence. There's another way, a counter-cultural way. What is this way? It's the way of Jesus that says, die and you will live. Die and you will live. The way up is down. It's a way of surrender to Jesus as Lord of your life. Another writer in scripture said this, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Seven verses earlier, Peter in that same sermon would say, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's the power and the presence of God that saves you. But let's ask the question that you're thinking, right? From what? (laughs) Saves me from what? What am I being saved from? Sin. Judgment, brokenness, hopelessness. From the very beginning in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, that story you might have heard in Sunday school. Man, humanity has been rebelling against God. And in fact, we're actively rebelling against God. Wanting to do it our own way. And so in that sin and chaos and brokenness entered our story, entered into history. And things are broken, and we need only look at the last 12 months to show that. But we're not only needing rescue from ourselves and from each other and hatred and war and division. Those are real, and we need salvation from those. We need rescue from those. But isn't it like Jesus to not just save us from something, but he's saving us to something? 
we're not just saved from those negative things. We're gloriously saved to something. Gladness, joy, family, that acceptance, love and peace and unconditional love that you long for as a human being. In the Bible, we call it shalom. We call it peace, wholeness. Maybe you've heard the term abundant life. Where is that? I want that. As Peter preached, you've made known to me the paths of life. In you, there's gladness and joy in your presence. What does that feel like and look like? How do I know that? How do I get that? Listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Listen, no doubt between our first service and this service and watching online that somebody, maybe you, are dealing with that. That on this Easter you've gotten dressed up and you've put on the facade, but on the inside things aren't as they should be. I want you to know that in Jesus, you don't have to be afraid to face your fears. There's no shame at the foot of Jesus' cross. Look at what it says. The alternative is that, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That's what surrender looks like. What does surrender look like? In my life, Abba, Father, think about it like a little child coming to their dad, as mine just did right before she walked out. What is that? Dependence, trust, knowing that dad has my good in mind. By whom we cry, Abba, Father, and then listen to this, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Listen, I get it. Thinking of yourself as a sinner isn't pleasant. Facing the brokenness of this world is depressing. But listen, we can't experience peace. You won't find wholeness unless you face those dark nights of the soul. Unless you ask the question... That has to be asked. If we ask the question that people have been asking from the beginning of time. Why am I here? Is it really only about me amassing what I can for myself now? Is that really all I'm here for? And the message of Jesus would say no. That you are here for the goodness and glory of God. And there's no better news that I could give you today. Within your own life and within our world, as we look around, there is profound brokenness. You'd have to go off grid and live in the middle of nowhere to not know that. And so we don't want to skip past that or miss that brokenness. But what I do want to point out is that if we were looking to politics to fix our brokenness, it didn't. More money won't fix what's broken. Your spouse won't fix what's broken. A new spouse won't fix what's broken. Perfect kids won't fix what's broken. A new job or a better job won't fix it. None of those things are going to fix it. 
Those are all the ways that we as humans look to fix what is broken in us, in our families, in our history, in our world. We look to all these different things to fix what only Jesus can fix. Why is Jesus different than every other religion? Because every other religion puts all of that weight back on you and says, if you can do enough, maybe you'll find what you're looking for. Maybe God will give you what you need. But no, no, no. Jesus, the God of the Bible, seeing you in your brokenness, did not tell you to rise, but he came down. He didn't grasp what was his as God for himself. But he gave that up and he came to this earth and lived on this earth with you and I and lived the life that we needed him to live. And he went and died on the cross, not as just a good story, but as a reality that he paid the price to make a way for you and I to experience that peace, that abundant life that only comes through a relationship with Jesus. Thinking about that brokenness. One writer, Alistair McGrath, was writing about the Nazi regime, which one of the most obvious signs that our world is not as it should be. And writing of the regime said this, this is what sin looks like. No amount of tinkering around with the subjective side of things. In other words, no no amount of the tinkering that we like to do with our life to try to find satisfaction. No amount of tinkering with the things that we can control will change things like that in the hearts of men. No, we need real peace and real peace requires a real change to our situation. And it's in that space that we look at the last year, that we look at things like the Nazi regime, we look at those broken things in our world, it's in that place that we find good news because Jesus is the real change to our situation. In Jesus is unconditional love. God, Think about this. God loves you. What an amazing thing. And this is precisely why Jesus came to the earth. Chances are, even if you're not a Christian, you've heard the verses John 3.16, right? says this, for God so loved the world. Would you put your name there today? Whether you've been a Christian for 50 years or five minutes or you're not, this is an amazing passage of scripture. For God so loved Mitch that he gave his only son. That whoever, even you, even me, right now, today, that whoever would believe in him, would not perish, but have eternal life. For God, this might surprise you if you're not a Christian, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, to condemn Mitch, to condemn you, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Listen to me, billions of Christians for thousands of years have found shalom, have found peace, have found that abundant life in Jesus. The men and women in Acts 2 who were standing in front of Peter as he preached one of those first sermons, the Bible says were cut to the heart by what he said. They had seen it. They had watched it. They had seen his 
crucifixion. They had watched his resurrection. He had appeared to hundreds of people after being dead and now alive. And then he quite literally disappeared and told these 12 misfits that they were going to take the kingdom of God to the ends of the earth. And we are literally here celebrating Jesus because of that. What a powerful thing. But they were cut to the heart. They were gripped by this good news, but overwhelmed by the brokenness and sin in their own life. And so they, they asked Peter, what should we do? What are we supposed to do with that? And here was his answer. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Remember what the Romans said that the spirit of God will testify with your spirit that you are the son or daughter of God. It's this. It's repent, be baptized, and you'll be given that spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. Last year was filled with bad news. And this year isn't fixing it quite yet. Listen, repent simply means to change your mind. Simply means to acknowledge the fact that the things you've always turned to aren't working and they're not going to. Only Jesus can make your life new. (laughs) Only Jesus can satisfy the things in your life. Only Jesus can set you free from the shame that you've experienced. Surrender your life to Jesus. Begin that relationship with Jesus. And you'll find shalom. You'll find the abundant life that you're looking for. I love what another one of Jesus' close friends when he was living on earth said. John wrote this in John chapter 1 verse 4 and 5. Says, in him was life. Think about that. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. Jesus. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. We love the phrase around here that the light shines brightest in the darkness. There's no better time for you to consider the ways of Jesus. Or even if you're a Christian and you have been for 50 years to, uh, in a fresh way, in a new way, be reminded of the ways of Jesus. That as you look over the last 18 months of this life, that you can find confidence in the definite plan of God for your life that no matter what comes my way with Jesus there is life so many people for so many centuries have tried to shut that light off that light that is Jesus and yet the kingdom of God has only grown billions of people around the world right now and last night and later today all around the world will stop and celebrate And declare that Jesus is Lord. Billions around the world. As in history. Set this day aside. Easter. To celebrate the goodness of God. People who are not Christians. Will set this day aside. To just in case. It's real. Go to church. Because there's something different about this man. This most influential man in the history of the world. Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Will you hear these words? Will you hear these words? Will you repent, turn from your way, surrender to the way of Jesus? What's beautiful about surrendering to Jesus, though, is that you win. 
In most situations, when you surrender, you lose. But with Jesus, surrendering is the way you win. Surrender usually means defeat, but that's not true in the counterintuitive kingdom of God. Knowing God means you win. The way up is down. The problem is sin, and the answer is Jesus. But the question is one of worship. We all worship, but will you worship Jesus as your God? I'm asking you, I'm inviting you, I'm begging you to worship Jesus. It's actually quite simple. The band's going to come up and we're going to sing another song. Or Kevin by himself is going to come up and sing one more song. And I just want to point out to you just how easy it is. And yet so difficult to be a part of. Of the kingdom of God. Because it's one of surrender. It's one of surrender. The Bible says it's as simple as confessing with your mouth. That Jesus is Lord. And believing in your heart. That God raised him from the dead that first Easter. For so many of us that can seem like maybe a fairy tale. But I want you to know that history bears witness. And as Peter told those men and women who had watched it with their own eyes. And recorded it for us that we might 2,000 years later attest to the same thing. That in the quietness of your heart, in the stillness of your soul, that you would confess to Jesus that he is Lord. There's no magic prayer. There's no magic way to do it. It's simple confession. I believe that you are Lord and that you are risen from the dead. And the Bible says you will, as you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved and you'll be given the gift of the Holy Spirit. But that next part says repent. This is the hard part. Be baptized, right? For the forgiveness of your sins. And so while baptism isn't what saves you, it's what lets everybody else know that God has saved you.